0: Hey, would you do this with me? Would you take your Bible and turn to the book of Hosea? Let's stand together in reverence to the reading of God's word. I'm so glad to be here. I'm delighted that you're here. Are you glad to be here this morning? Okay, I'm glad to be here. Looking at the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 4. Looking at the divine courtroom. That's what this is. It's called. It's the divine courtroom. Chapter 4 of Hosea. Now, just so you know, not much is said about Hosea and Gomer as we get from chapter four through the rest of the book. But you see the traces of the story behind the scene that we saw in chapter one through three. Look in Hosea, chapter four, verse one through 19. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love. No knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the uh, fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend and let none accuse. For with you is my contention, O priests. This is what Yahweh says. You shall stumble by day. The prophet shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people They are greedy for their iniquity. It shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They shall eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom and wine and new wine. Which take away the understanding. My people inquire of a piece of wood. And their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray. And they have left their God to play the whore. They sacrifice on the tops of mountains and burnt offerings on the hills under oak and poplar and terebinth because the shade is good. Therefore, my daughters play the whore and the brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes. And the people without understanding shall come to ruin. Though they play the whore, O Israel... Let not Judah become guilty, enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Beth Haven and swear not as the Lord lives like a stubborn heifer. Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in a broad pasture? Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. They when they drink, when their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring their rulers dearly love shame. A wind has wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Would you just pray with me? Another portion of your word, it's meant for us. It's difficult. It's not easy learning this morning. It's not easy to get it. But, Holy Spirit, only you can do that this morning. I count on you. We count on you. Do the work that you promise you do through your spirit, that you would open up and reveal your word. That we could take this knowledge and let this knowledge change our life and we'll forever praise you. And God's people said, you can be seated. So today, the message title is The Divine Courtroom. The Divine Courtroom in in Hosea chapter 4. Now, just in case you don't know this, do you know what the most popular daytime television is? Show? Does anybody know? What, What do we got? The View? The View's a popular one. What else? SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants. Very popular with a certain crowd. The 30 to 39. Okay. The Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres show. Very popular. Anybody else? What? USA Today. Very popular. Wheel of Fortune. Good old Pat Sajak, and what I got? Who says Judge Judy? Can everybody give her a hand? Oh, was that not? Who said that originally? Daniel Malley. Vindi, y'all give take that back from Diane. Everybody give Daniel a hand. I reject that clap. (laughs) Judge Judy. Judge Judy. That sweet soft spoken judge Judy, the most popular show she I was reading she made close to fifty million dollars a year for her show, and here's the awesome thing every time it comes time to negotiate her contract, her and the c b s executive sit down they have this this one place they go and eat and they they'll they'll meet for lunch, and they'll come. And what she does is she puts what she wants inside of an envelope and hands him the envelope, and that's it. No negotiation. In fact, they said one time he tried to give her an envelope with what he wanted to offer her, and she refused to open it. She said, no, if you want me to do this, you'll do exactly what's in this envelope. And I guess it works. I guess it works. Well, today... We're going to be looking at a courtroom scene. Not like Judge Judy, though, okay? Um, totally different, but a similar courtroom. When you look at the text of Hosea 4, this is really a courtroom. And and the reason I say that, if you look in verse 1, in verse 1, you see where it says in verse 1, this idea, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, which, by the way, always a good thing to do. Always a good thing to hear the word of the Lord. The children of Israel, for the Lord has a, what does it say? That word controversy means a dispute, a lawsuit, a legal case. So what we're really dealing with in chapter 4 of Hosea is is a legal case. I wish I had more lawyer training. I feel like I could preach this text. This is probably the favorite text of any lawyer. But this is really a courtroom scene that we see before us. And Yahweh, he's he's spelling out the accusations that he has. There's charges. There's a defendant. There's crime. There's... Punishment being measured out here. So this is all the courtroom. This is all a courtroom. First, if you'll take your outline. By the way, at the end of the uh, row was probably an announcement page, and that announcement page probably um, you can kind of pass that down. If, if just look to the person at the very end and give them kind of a, a mean stare, and they'll make sure that gets passed down to you. Or or nice. Actually, do a, do a smile. Or just give them five minutes of uninterrupted con- eye contact. People love that kind of thing. That's how I reward my kids in my house. Five minutes of uninterrupted eye contact. Okay, I better keep going. I'm getting weird here. So we see in verse 1, the charges. We'll kind of look in the next couple of verses, starting in verse 1. We see the charges, the charges that that are put out against the children of Israel by Yahweh. The controversy, the court case that we see. There is no faithfulness in verse one, no steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Now, the charges, anytime there's a court case, there's charges, right? And the charges are being racked up here. And one of the charges first that he says in verse one is there is no faithfulness. That word faithfulness means trustworthy, being trusted. So Yahweh is saying to his children, I can't trust you. You can't be trusted. You approved proved yourself Very unfaithful. You continually disobey me. Now, the question would be, what caused them to be so untrustworthy? Well, what's the next thing? Or steadfast love. Now, that word steadfast love, it comes from the Hebrew word chesed. Okay, that's my that's my inner Jew right here, right? The chesed, the chesed love of God. That that word chesed love, that means the that word steadfast love means the never ending, loyal, never stopping love of God. Okay, that's the that's the kind of love it's talking about. And he says, the charges are, you've been unfaithful to me. You're not trustworthy. You can't be trusted. Then number two, you have no steadfast love. God had a, Yahweh had a steadfast love for Israel, a a loyal love, a loyal love that was based on the covenant that he had made with them through Abraham. And and he was faithful. He was always faithful with with his end, but they were not faithful with their end. In fact, they weren't even faithful to each other. They were to express this same kind of chesed love back to the Lord. They were actually supposed to express this kind of chesed love back to each other. 196 times in the Old Testament, this word chesed love is is mentioned. This was the love that Yahweh had for them. By the way, this is the kind of love that Jesus has for us. It's a chesed love. Here's what I love about the God we serve. The God we serve is not capricious, Okay. When he's made his mind up, he's made his mind up. And when he saved you, if he saved you, like when I became a follower at 16, that loyal covenant love is experienced in my life. And so, listen, no matter what happens, like, I'm going to be okay. Listen, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. So, when the day comes back, when the results don't look good, when the day comes back, when the lost one, is the, the loved one is not there anymore, when the day comes back and you get bad news on the economic front, when the day comes, I'm going to be okay because the steadfast, the chesed love of God. When I've been betrayed by somebody, when you've been betrayed, like you're going to be okay. So he says, here's the charge. There's no faithfulness, no steadfast love. And in the end, the reason they didn't have those two things, they all build on each other. So, to be faithful, you have to have steadfast love. Everybody get me, right? So, to have steadfast love, what do you got to have next? The knowledge of God. So... The charges or you didn't have you don't have the knowledge of God. You don't know who God is. You don't know his covenant. You don't know his commandments. And when I say they don't know God, I'm not talking about just intellectually. I'm talking about an intellect that results in a lifestyle change. That's what he's saying that that I mean, even us today in our kind of culture, our kind of Bible Belt Christianity, we consume a lot of knowledge about God. But but really what's impressive is not the knowledge we compile about God, but what we actually do with that knowledge. So, So, for instance, like. When we learn how to actually minister the gospel to people. Like does that knowledge of how to show someone a gospel presentation. Does it lead us into actually doing it? That's actually the knowledge he's talking about. So he says here's the charges. There's no faithfulness because there's no steadfast love. Because there's no steadfast love there's no faithfulness. And because there's no steadfast love is because there's no knowledge. Knowledge leads to love and love needs to faithfulness. All these things need to come together. So these are the charges that he's. Reading out against them. They don't have it. Now, let's look in verse 2 and we'll see what some of the more in-depth charges were. Because they didn't have a knowledge of God. Of His covenant. Of His laws. Of the Mosaic law. Because they, they didn't have that knowledge. They didn't have steadfast love. They didn't have faithfulness to Him. We see some of the things that happened. Look in verse 2. There is swearing. Lying. In verse 2. Stealing. Committing adultery. Basically, Five of the Ten Commandments, they're breaking, and they're breaking it pretty boldly. So bold, it says, and they break bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. When it says that word bloodshed follows bloodshed in verse 2, it's just it's telling you that a lot of bloodshed happens. I mean, uh, when there is rebellion against God, people, death happens. People get killed. Bloodshed happens. By the way, just as a side note, y'all see that word swearing in verse 2, Right? It's not talking about a four-letter word, okay? So that's not what it's saying in swearing. Now, don't walk away and go like, I just heard Nick say that I could say any four-letter word I wanted to say, right? Like, it's okay, you know? It's all under grace, right? That's not what I'm telling you. Now, interesting, that word swear, it's referring back to thou shalt not take the what? In vain. And so the swearing that he's talking about, is taking the lord's name in vain what is taking the lord's name in vain well it's it's not just using jesus' name when you're excited about something or or if something bad's about to happen or if you win Miss America you know and you say you know oh my God right you see people that's although you shouldn't do that that that's not the fullness of what Taking the Lord's name in vain really is talking about. In the Old Testament context, taking the Lord's name in vain was really this thing of you made a vow or a promise on God's name saying that like on God's name, I will actually keep this. Now, it's interesting when you look into the New Testament, Jesus really encourages to let our yes be yes and our no be what? No, like so we don't we don't really do that. But a person can still commit that kind of act of using the Lord's name in vain by using it flippantly, by by really having no reverence for that name, having no reverence for Him, and in fact, I think one of the biggest ways we take His name in vain is to say that we belong to Him and to claim Him as our Lord, but then disarm Him by our lifestyle. That's actually the biggest way that people actually take His name in vain. So that was one thing they were doing. They, because they had no knowledge of God, they had no loyal chesed love for God. They also were not faithful to Him. So they had swearing. They had lying. Massive amounts of fact twisting. Okay, they. In even in our world, lying is a big problem. You know how I know it, because if because a lot of us get our facts from the internet, and not everything on the internet is really true, right? We all thought this was going to be a reliable source to give us all the correct information, and it really isn't, right? You have to fact check almost everything. Even you know this. You watch the news, and after you watch the news, what's one of the first things you think to yourself? Was that really true? Or am I really being... Because we know that almost every news has some kind of spin on it, right? Lying. They were dealing with it, even us. Murder. They, had, they were sacrificing their children. Wanton murder. We kind of have the same thing, don't we? They had stealing. They had adultery. I mean, even in our world, there's massive amounts of digital theft is taking on massive amounts of it. In fact, it, it, it won't be uncommon that many of us in this room probably through this this year will probably be hacked or someone will attempt to hack us in some way. They had adultery. These are all the ways that these are the charges. He's saying, listen, you're you're swearing, you're using the Lord's name in vain, you're murdering, you're stealing, you're committing adultery. By the way, doesn't it look a lot like us to the charges that they had? Doesn't it look a lot like our charges at times? Of course, we can see this. Can't you see what happens? No knowledge of God. Therefore, no love for God. Therefore, faithfulness. It kind of all, you know, so like I've had people before say, you know, I can worship God out in nature and I can and I can go to the woods and I'll just be okay. And I would say, man, that is you actually can worship God through going out into God's creation and looking at the trees and looking at the mountains and looking at the universe and realizing there's a bigger God than all this. But you also have to come to his book you have to come to his special revelation, not just what's called general revelation when you're when you're out in creation. But you have to come to his book and actually get something from it. You have to get the knowledge of who God is. That's why when people say, I don't need discipleship. I don't need people. I don't need a church. I don't need a covenant body. I don't need to, to, to learn the scriptures. I, all I need is, is me and a fishing boat. Or all, I mean, like you, th- th- that's good. And especially if you're a good fisher, that's really good. Invite me for fish fry. Because that's the only way you can really eat fish, I think. But, yes. Amen. Baked fish is bad for you. Fried fish is good for you. There was a medical report about that. It was dated. Uh, That's the middle ground. So what do we see? They had no knowledge of God. They weren't being taught God's word. They weren't studying God's word. They weren't reading the law of Moses. They weren't they, they were letting this lead their life. And because they had no love for this, they had no steadfast love for Yahweh. They couldn't appreciate God, Yahweh's love. And they had no faithfulness. Like their lives were going sideways. Just as a sad thing, here's the deal. When our lives are going sideways and we're straying far from the Lord in sin, you can usually trace it down to what a person does with this book. I'm telling you, if there is no, like, spending time in this book, like, you'll go astray pretty easy. Why? Because no knowledge of God leads to no love for God, which leads to unfaithfulness. It's really a simple equation. But these are the charges that's happening in this divine courtroom that Yahweh is calling against them. Now, let's... Now, before we, we go on to who the actual defendant is, uh, I just want you to notice verse 3. Sin always has consequences for more than just you. It has consequences for everything. Notice this. Because of their sin, they remember all these commandments that they were breaking, just five of the ten, lying, murder, stealing, adultery, swearing, using the Lord's name in vain. Now, look at verse 3. Look at this chart. Therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Even creation is experiencing um, hard times as a result of their sin. Did you know that when Adam fell in the garden, all of creation fell with him? Romans eight says that creation is actually groaning. Like, like, like the reason we have such hard times in our natural environments today, it's because of our sin. Actually, our sin makes the planet actually worse. That now, d- don't sit there and think that like, man, here's Nick. He's a tree hugger, you know. I, but I will say this. Part, part of us actually growing in the Lord is that we would steward what the Lord has for us really well. So, like, I've had Christians ask me, like, what about recycling? Like, should Christians recycle? And I would go, what? like, yeah, I think there's probably, I mean, there's, it's good stewardship of creation. Like, how we actually use our environment is actually an important thing. But here's what you find. They were in sin and creation's environment around them Suffered. And God told them for their land in Israel in Deuteronomy 28, it would actually suffer if they got into sin. If they started this no knowledge of God and, and didn't love God and weren't faithful to him. If they weren't faithful, that even the environment around them was going to suffer. So those are the charges that we see in verse 1 through 3. Charges are put on. Now... We still got a little bit more. It's not as quick. If this was Judge Judy right now, this would already be over, right? Have you ever watched this thing? Like, I don't know how in the world she, whether she already knows about what's going on or this is rehearsed or person have like a conscience at night. So it's like she walks in and with like just a couple minutes, she's already made her verdict and very strong. I, I, I did not know how the lady does it. That's probably why she makes $50 million. Okay. That's why she just slips an envelope. Okay. That's all she needs. Look at verse defendant. So now, in any good courtroom case, you've got a defendant, right? The defendant is there. The defendant's done something wrong. So the charges have been issued. Let's look at the defendant. Who's the defendant right here? Well, most of us would go, well, it's the children of Israel. And yes, it is. But there's someone else that's held into account before them. Look at verse 4. Yet. Let no one contend and let none accuse. Remember, these are all the charges. So you're always saying before you start pointing fingers about who this is, who's who's the defendant here? Let no one contend. Let none accuse. For with you is my contention. What does it say? Oh, priests. The priests, the priests were responsible to declare the law of God. They were instructed to help help the people properly worship Yahweh they were supposed to carry out this idea of what the scriptures talk about where we're like for us today the scriptures say that all scriptures breathe out for God it's profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training and righteousness that's the word of God is meant to help you know what's right what's wrong how to stay right how to get right that you may be equipped for every good work they weren't doing that. the priests weren't doing that at all they had left that off and look because the priests weren't doing that, look what else it did. Look what it did to the prophets. Look in verse 5. These are, these are the, this is the defendant. The defendant is basically first the priest, then the prophet, then the people. Verse 5. You shall stumble by name. The prophet shall also stumble with you at night. I will destroy your mother. By the way, when it says destroy your mother, this is re- referring more to the children of Israel now. So the defendant in this case, really, first and foremost, it's the priest's. Then secondarily, it's the prophets. And thirdly, it's the people. So you can see that they're, they're the ones that are actually doing this. It's interesting. Leadership is so essential in the New Testament. Um, it talks a lot about leadership. And in fact, in fact, if you look at a people, look at its leadership. People take their cues from their leadership. What leadership do tends to be the rest of the people do, even in our own homes. Like what we do as parents have a profound impact on our kids. Our kids are always learning. They're always learning. They're always observing. So we see the defendant here is really the priest, first and foremost, the leaders. And then it extends to the people. We see what the charge is. Let's look at the crime. What's the actual crime that these priests, where does it start with? Well, remember, we discovered a while ago, if you don't have faithfulness, it's because you don't have steadfast love. And because you don't have steadfast love, it's because you don't have what? Knowledge of God. And what do you think was the thing these priests were most indicted for? The crime that, that permeated the whole thing. The real root of the crime. Verse 6. The people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That was the reason. They were destroyed for lack of knowledge. The priests were not taking the law of Moses. They weren't taking what God had given them. And they weren't teaching the people this. And In fact, they were doing the opposite it says, because you've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being priest to me. Since you've gotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. The priest had a job to do. And that job was to make sure God's word got delivered to God's people. Now, do this. Hold your place. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why they didn't deliver it to God's people. Hold your place here, and then look over over in Second um, Timothy. in second timothy here's the reason why now i will say this the the priestly line in the northern kingdom of israel wasn't a good line the the, the right line would have been down in is down in Jeru- judah using the temple using the the law of moses it was an ungodly line it, it was th- these were ungodly priests these priests actually were to be taking the law of God. They were to be taking the law of Moses, and, 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 but they weren't doing that. They actually go in the opposite direction, worshiping false idols, actually building idols, Baal, and then saying, like, this idol Baal, this is the one that delivered you from Egypt, actually. all right, This is your Yahweh. He says it's kind of like he, people wonder, like, why would these priests not teach the truthfulness of God's word? Why would these priests be so corrupted? Because that's what the people wanted. That's what the people wanted. Look right here in chapter four, verse one, second Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by hearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Reprove means like like show like look at the evidence and point the look at the evidence and show them the evidence of where they're going wrong. Rebuke is. Is challenge them to change that sinful action. Exhort means like to encourage them, urge them to get on the right path, right? Do this with patience and with teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will having itching ears, they will accumulate to themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into many myths. Happen exactly this. The people had itching ears. They they're saying they wanted these priests to say these priests. They wanted these priests to agree with their lifestyle. And basically their lifestyle was you can go to the temple. It was a very There was a lot of adultery and prostitution that was going and mixing in with their with what they were doing. There was a lot of alcohol drinking that was involved in with it. It was basically a big a revelry party that was going on whenever they would go to worship. They would say, Hey, I'm going to worship Yahweh, but in the end they were worshiping an idol. In the end, it was a lot of fornication. In the end, it was a lot of drunkenness. In the end, it was just a a lot of sin. But the priest kept teaching it, because that's what the people wanted. Hey, by the way, here's your thing, just in anywhere you're ever at in your Christianity, if if the people you listen we listen to most are people who always tell us what we want to hear, that there might be something wrong in our own heart. I mean, like the truths of God's word have to be talked about. So, for instance, we've got to talk about God's grace, but you have to talk about that holy and just and He judges like you don't you don't get God's grace unless you actually get his holiness. And these two kissed each other at the cross. Now, look at verse nine. Let's continue to look at their crime. So the priests weren't teaching the people. They weren't teaching people knowledge. In verse seven, actually, I skipped over verse seven, eight, the increase, the more these priests increased in number. The more they sinned against me, I will change their glory to shame. So the Lord says, you priests, you, you, you have these nice dress, this nice dresses and all this glory and everybody's praising your name for all the wonderful things you say to them that just allow them to keep walking in their sin. But listen, I'm going to take that away. Eight, they feed on the sin of the people and they are greedy for iniquity. These priests, they were motivated to keep telling the people what they wanted to hear because these people were feeding these priests. Just so you know. That's how priests live. Priests lived off of the generosity of the people. And what these priests did is they started to change the message and say the message that the people wanted to hear so they could protect their bank account. One of the worst things anybody in any kind of spiritual leadership can ever do is to try to protect their resources at the expense of the truth. But that's what these priests were doing. This is the crime that they were doing. Verse 9. And it shall be like people like priests. Uh Uh-huh. Like people, like priests. What the priests were doing, the people were going to do. I will punish them, both priests and people, in verse 9, for their ways and repay them for their deeds. What the priests were doing, now I will tell you this. The priests had a higher level of accountability because who gets called out first? The people or the priests? The priests do. Now, accountable. So, like for instance, this is why teaching God's word, discipling people, there's a layer of, of, of like soberness a person has to have to their soul. James one, three, one says, not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for, you know, that we who teach will be judged by greater strictness. So, th- so there's a, there's a thing where like, sometimes people will say, man, people who are, who are, who are, are doing the teaching and preaching, like they shouldn't be examined. I'm like, man, man, they should be examined because they're going to go through a greater strictness. Now that doesn't tell us for no one to not do this. That just says that, says that there's a high accountability with any kind of spiritual authority. So the priests get called out first. But notice the people are accountable as well. So the people can't in the end just blame the priests and go, Priests, you're the one that caused all this. Although the priests were a contributing factor, the people still would have to stand before God. They still would have to answer for their own sin. And, and here's just a side note. I've heard so many people lately when it comes to their sin, they'll say something like, the devil made me do it. You know, the devil doesn't make you sin. Can't make you sin. Devil can't make you sin. He can tempt you, but he can't make you sin. In fact, James 4.14 says each of us is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desire, by our own sinful desire. Now look at verse 10. We're just looking at the crime still. They shall eat, but not be satisfied. Like all the sin that they were doing, it was never enough. Here's the thing about sin. It is never enough. Never enough. Sometimes what we do is, when we're dipping our life into any kind of sin, we think to ourselves, "Okay, I'll just do this, and this will be the last time, right? Let's do this, this be the last time. Like, okay, this little lie. It, I just got to tell this little lie. I just got to bend this truth a little bit because if I say it this way, my parents won't get on to me. Okay, so I'm just gonna. Y'all know nothing about that, right? I'm just going to twist it where the fact's a little bit more positive right here. And that'll be it. Sin never does that, does it? Sin always costs more than you're willing to pay, take you further than you're willing to go, and always keep you longer than you want to stay. They shall eat and not be satisfied. These priests could get enough. Their bellies could not get full. The people could not get full. It says in verse 10, They play the whore, but not multiply. One of the things that was involved in their kind of worship was, their their thought was, these fertility, pagan things they were doing with these prostitutes, the thought was that that you would become more um, fertile. If you participate in these pagan ceremonies, you'll become even more fertile. Okay, so this is, and they weren't multiplying. They weren't having more children. They weren't multiplying. They had forsaken the Lord's way. Verse 11, whoredom, wine, and new wine. Which take away understanding, by the way, just as a side note. By the way, y'all, y'all know I'm not a teetotaler, okay? I mean, although I have Baptist upbringing, I'm not a teetotaler. Don't like don't like the taste of liquor myself, okay? Unless it's like something like 2%, which at that point you're not even drinking a man's drink, right? But, but nonetheless, I will tell you this. If you are weak with sexual immorality in your life, please don't go drinking. Just don't even do that. Like on your next business trip when you're hanging out with everybody, like don't be a fool. Like just don't do that. Obviously more people destroy their marriages because on business trips they're drinking with, all, with, with, with everybody in their team. And before you know it, they're doing something immoral because there's low accountability out, outside of town. I'm just telling you, sometimes those two things go together real easy. You find in the priests and the people, this is what they were doing. The the priests were telling the people, yeah, man, drink it up. Go over there. See that prostitute. God's going to bless that. This is part of our worship. And the people loved it. The people loved being told what they liked. They loved being told that their sin was okay. They did not like being told that they were not their sin. That's why these guys never liked these prophets. These prophets were like the one guy standing up and saying like, no, actually, that's really bad. And you guys should really stop doing that. Well, let's get rid of that guy. So we see here that these they're priests. By the way, did you know that the scriptures call us a royal priesthood? First Timothy two nine says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you know that we're priests, even ourselves? Yeah. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. What did I say? Oh, wow. No, it's first Peter. <laughs> I'm sure Timothy's good too, okay? First Timothy two nine is really good too. Verse twelve. Here's what their crime keeps doing to them. Man, you can see the the drunkenness, the sexual immorality that it's it's taken them down into. Look in verse twelve. Ridiculousness the, the ridiculousness of their worship, their crime. My people inquire of a piece of what? Like you've got Yahweh, who is the one that delivered from Egypt, and you're over here worshiping a bunch of sticks. Like that's how ridiculous this gets. This is how ridiculous the crime gets. And their walking staff becomes, uh, gives them oracles. It's like, oh, you've got this cane. And oh, what is this cane going to tell me today? This piece of wood, right? Absolute ridiculousness. But this self mars you. It starts to get you. I mean, aside from them breaking the commandments of sexual morality and drunkenness and cursing and and lying and murder, all these are bad. But you know, what one of the worst parts I think of their crime is they weren't getting to worship the one true God. They they were worshiping a bunch of sticks. I mean, they weren't experiencing the joy. And by the way, this is what happened in our own life. When we worship other things besides God, we're really searching for joy. Like, do you know every time we get into sin, what we're really actually searching for is satisfaction. We're searching for joy. We're trying to get it. We're just trying to get it in a place that it was never meant to be gotten. Jesus is the only place where joy is to made, made to be gotten. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This is actually what, what worship really is. The heart of worship is this idea that we're satisfied with God. We're satisfied by the work of the cross. We're satisfied by his grace. We're satisfied with what his word has said to us. Look at verse 13. They sacrificed on the tops of mountains and burnt offerings on the hills under oak, deplor, and terebinth. So, by the way, all these places they're worshiping are are places they're supposed to be down in Jerusalem worshiping at the temple this is where God had 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 required them there's there's certain Levitical laws are supposed to be running through down in Judah but they're not doing that what are they doing they're worshiping basically up in the Northern kingdom and they're worshiping basically wherever it says because their shade is what they're good so they're just like hey the shade's good over here. This is where we're going to worship. This is where we're going to sacrifice. We're going to, we're going to set up our own altars at Dan, our own altars, uh, altars at Bethel. And, and if you read back over in 2 Kings, you find that Jeroboam I, the first king of the northern kingdom, he basically set up uh, calf, calf idols in those places and said, people, this is the one who delivered you from Egypt. Go and worship here. Don't go down into Jerusalem. And the people were kind of like, yeah, Jerusalem's along. And guess what? The shades really good here. This just feels really nice. I like how comfortable this worship is. I like how accommodating this worship is. And this is what happens. The crime is they got really cool. They only wanted they only wanted worship that was accommodating to their culture. You know this for us to be like followers of Jesus, it's not it's not an easy life. It's not easy. Like some people are like, man, Nick, I don't have time for his word. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. But do you want? You just want where the shade is good? Like, oh, you know, like, you know, do we have to really study the scriptures that much? Like, just so want where the shade is good. Are we really supposed to make disciples? Are we really supposed... I mean, it's so uncomfortable for me to tell people about... It. It's so... Like, why do I even have to worry about people around me? Why do I even have to pray about people me? Why Can't I just have my Jesus to myself? You just want where the shade is good. That's what we want. We want where the shade is good. This is what they were doing in their text. They were worshiping God in the way they wanted to worship God, where it was good, where it was safe, where it was exactly what their culture liked. In the end... They miss joy. They miss the real satisfaction. Like they, they miss the point. They miss Yahweh. And and here's what happens. When you miss Yahweh, you miss everything. So they had no knowledge of God, which led to them not loving God, which led to them having unfaithful life. So if like today, if it's kind of like, OK, Lord, I'm living an unfaithful life. Well, it's because we're not loving God. And why are we not loving God? Because life is not filled with the knowledge of God. We're not permeating on his word. We're not permeating on his character. We're not funneling everything we think about in life. I cannot tell you how many times in my 21 years of pastoral ministry, I have had people say to me, I know what the Bible says, but this is what I think. Right? Like this is what happens. This is exactly what they're doing. Going where the shade is good. So, by the way, so we see the charges, we see the defendant, it's the priest and the people. We see the crimes that they are doing. Do you know there's another there's another defendant here? Look in verse 14. I thought this was interesting. I will not punish your daughters. This is an indictment, by the way. So it kind of goes like priests, prophets, people, but uniquely the men. Look at this in verse 14. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. By the way, you might be wondering, how could Gomer have been cheating on Hosea like that? Like, how could... Like, how could even have gathered a wife who was a prostitute? I mean, like, or, or had that in her past, at least, but before they got married. Like, how could all that have transpired? That's how pagan their worship was. Even so much that it says, your brides, when they commit adultery, that it was taught that, that, that these brides part of like hey this bride wants to have a child like if you go and you and you participate in these and this sexual worship at the temple that there's a good likelihood that you'll get fertile so like these brides would get married and they would go down there and 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 participate in all these kind of pagan fertility rites you see the daughters are doing the same thing it was kind of a normal thing so notice this so if you ever wonder how could Gomer have done those things it was all a part of her culture it was all a part of Kind of normal life. It was scandalous nonetheless that Hosea loved her the way he loved her. nonetheless, you can see why, but ultimately, there is another defendant here, verse fourteen. So he says, I'm not going to hold your daughters accountable or your brides for the men themselves go aside with prostitutes, and they sacrifice with cult prostitutes. People without understanding shall come to ruin. So that was interesting in this text. he says, The daughters and the brides, I'm not going to hold them accountable for that because it's really the men. By reference, it makes me wonder that's who's getting judged here is the men. That's the ones who become responsible. Just as a side note, all, I mean, a majority of sexual immorality that happens around us from the Internet to chat rooms to unfaithfulness to in a dating relationship. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, men would be men wouldn't be like that. I'm just telling you. Now, listen, there's some rogue women out there. Yeah, I get it. Whatever. I get it. But I'm just telling you, on average, on average, not going to happen if you're doing the job. It's not going to. Right. Like pornography wouldn't wouldn't encompass such a large space of our Internet package of our bandwidth. If it wasn't for men, the other defendant here is men, it's men, and they're guilty. so as we close this off, we see here, are y'all okay so far hey, y'all wait y'all alive y'all love Hosea still? okay by the way, um if you look in verse fifteen, he kind of gets this final thing. so here's the courtroom scene. The priests are on trial. The prophets are on trial. Israel's on trial. The men are on trial, and then there's the southern kingdom of Judah. They're kind of in the very back. I guess. I guess you know, Judge Judy. I, I don't think the last time I saw it, there's no people back there. I think in Judge Judy, I think it's all just kind of like the the, the, the courtroom is you on the TV, right? So let's hypothetically picture here. The people watching the courtroom scene, the people watching the Judge Judy on TV, it's the southern kingdom of Judah now. And so he basically says to the southern kingdom of Judah, don't do what northern kingdom has done. Don't do what Israel has done. Don't repeat their mistakes. Everything that you see is happening. The charges, the crime, the how we're prosecuting the defendants here, all of that. Southern kingdom of Judah, don't do that. Please don't do that. Does anybody know what they did? They did it. Okay. They did it. But nonetheless, he tries to warn them. Isn't this so good like God? People think like, man, this God is so wrathful. He also is very very patient. Verse 15. Though you play the whore, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. The southern kingdom. Enter not into Gilgal, nor into Bethaven. These are where their pagan altars were in in the northern kingdom of Israel. And swear not as the Lord lives. He says, southern kingdom of Judah, don't do what they're doing. Verse 16. Like a stubborn heifer. How would you like to be called that? Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in the broad pasture? Ephraim, which is that's the largest tribe of the northern kingdom. So it just kind of with Ephraim usually in the Old Testament, it's just encompassing the whole northern kingdom, is joined to idols. Leave them alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring their rulers dearly love shame. A wind has wrapped them in its wings and they'll be ashamed because of their sacrifices. He basically is saying, judgment's coming for the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. It'll come for you if you do exactly what they did. And they did. Years later, they would go into ba- through Babylonian exile like, a, like the northern kingdom here would go through Assyrian's exile shortly. So there you have it, guys. Hosea chapter 4, the courtroom. By the way... I didn't tell you this earlier. Y'all remember Judge Judy, right? The most popular show, making $50 million. Guess what? She's not making it anymore. Y'all hear what happened this last week with Judge Judy? Okay, so she it, 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 it had I've read this report. It's not out yet. So for all you faithful Judge Judy watchers, right, stay tuned. It's coming, all right? So on this show, Judge Judy does her usually comes out, you know, well, um, you know, issues verdict really fast and stuff, comes to her really quick judgment and stuff. But what she did was she came from behind the bench and the, she, she issued a fine to a guy. And when she issued the fine to the guy, she came out from behind the bench and she gave out the money for the fine. Now, the CBS executives, when they heard about that, they were enraged because this show matches itself. It's about the article said the show is about her showing judgment and coming to a quick conclusion and a judge. It's not about mercy. If she keeps doing that, no one's going to want to watch this show because of all the mercy. So the CBS executives took the show away. Because of the mercy that she showed. That did not happen. <laughs> That did not. But I will tell you this. In the divine courtroom of heaven, that's exactly what did happen. The very judge of all, Yahweh, the very judge of it all. He not only issues the verdict, but Christ, something different happened. So Christ judges their sin. But instead of this, he comes out. This is what I love about the gospel. This is why it's so different. This is. The divine courtroom here. Our Jesus, what he does is he issues the judgment. Then he says, step aside. I'm going to come down there and I will pay your fine myself. I absorb the wrath of God myself. I will do it in your place. You know what's interesting about the northern king of Israel, southern kingdom? Of Israel, I mean, they should have been eradicated off the map. But it's someday later, we'll discover by the time of the end of the Minor prophets, They're going to get to come back. A remnant is going to get to come back into the land. And the Messiah is going to come from them. And a restored nation is eventually going to come from them. And and what is all this? This is God showing what his grace is like. Because someday the reason God didn't eradicate them, because someday he would Jesus, who would be the one who would come off the throne and come and pay the fine that we couldn't pay for ourselves. If you're here today and you're not in Christ, here's all it takes to be in Christ. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to be a perfect person at all. All you have to admit is that you're a sinner. That's it. All you have to do is admit that you have sinned against God, that you are not righteous, that you cannot earn your way to heaven, and that Jesus came out from behind the bench and paid the penalty that your sins deserve, paid the fine and the judgment and the jail sentence and everything in your place. That's all you got to do at 16. By faith, that's what I accepted. I said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I trust in us. You took my punishment and judgment. You paid the fine in my place. And that's it. By faith, if you do that. So if you're here and you're like, how how can I be a Christian today? That's how you can be a Christian. You may say that sounds so easy. Well, for you, yes, but not for him. Not for him. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why grace is so magnetic. Would you stand with me as we pray over this? Lord, this divine courtroom scene. The traces of grace are all over it. The traces of grace are all over the divine courtroom of our lives. If there's someone here without Jesus, would you let today be their day? May they have realized that their sins can only be forgiven, can only be covered, can only be expunged, can only be paid for by your death on the cross. May today be their glorious day of salvation. May today be their day to start. May today be their day right now as we pray that they would call out to you in their soul and ask you as their Lord and Savior. Would you let that be their day? Would you let this be our day to remember it? And God's people said, let's worship together.